we have a service of scripture stories and carols this morning. And so we're going to be alternating throughout the service. Uh, reading a passage of scripture, I'll share a few words, and then uh, we'll sing a Christmas carol, and we'll do that three or four, actually five times, um, before the end of our service. So uh, as we begin, uh, I'm going to read for us the story of Jesus. Uh, it's the story of Jesus that begins far before Jesus' birth. This is a story that begins with Isaiah chapter 11. So the Old Testament prophet Isaiah says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and his roots, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the, Lord of the, no- the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The cattle and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young will lie down together. The, young, the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand into a viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas." A few words before we sing our first song. The story of Jesus' birth begins long before Jesus' birth. Just like all of the stories of our lives begin long before we are born. The gospel writers go to great and incredible length and detail to remind us all of Jesus' ancestors. How God's plan began already with Adam to bring a savior into the world. Do you know the story of your own life? Some of you I know love genealogy. You love to make connections between relatives or trace your ancestry back as far as it can go. And nowadays there's apps on your phone that will do it for you. You can see just how you're connected to thousands of people around the world, both today and back through history. It may seem strange to you to think, but your ancestors probably had or your ancestor did have no idea that you would come along. If you ever become the parent of a child, or if you are the parent of a child, you don't think to yourself about that child's future children, at least not at first. And if you do think about your children's future children, then you don't usually think about your children's children's children. There's simply too many variables in our lives to be able to think or plan about the future with any accuracy. Likewise, both our ancestors and our spiritual ancestors could not perfectly plan for any future. However, they were guided not by certainty or planning, but they were guided by hope. Isaiah the prophet, one of the people responsible to speak God's word to God's people, Isaiah paints this picture of hope for God's Old Testament people. Out of a dead stump, new life will spring. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. He will be righteous and faithful. 
just as his people were not. And he will usher in flourishing for the whole creation, and not just for Israel, but for the whole world, to be filled with the knowledge of God. And this knowledge of God is not just a fact-based knowledge. Everyone will see and experience the Spirit-filled Son of God. They will walk with him and talk with him. We say today that this day has come in part, and yet we still look forward with hope to one day a complete fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Our second reading comes from Luke chapter 2. We're going to skip just a little bit ahead of the Christmas story to Jesus, to after Jesus' birth, and look at peace and look at joy. There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Simeon was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was in him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And so moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the customs of the law required, Simeon took in his arms the child and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have promised or prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and, for the, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Mary, this child is destined to, call, to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after they had been married, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, at that very moment, Anna gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. What happens to you when you receive what you are hoping for? When you're a child and you open up a Christmas present and it's exactly what you wanted, your eyes light up with excitement. You can't wait to enjoy your new gift. And usually, you want to play with it and enjoy it until you've either worn yourself out or worn out your present. As we grow older, we learn that all of the good things in the world can't make us happy in a way that lasts. Yes, money can buy happiness and other things can make us happy for a while, but we need either more money or more time to really enjoy ourselves. Simeon had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. Someone who waits for consolation is waiting to be consoled. They're waiting for a hug, for a word, for a sign. Really, they're waiting for the waiting to be over. Simeon is waiting for comfort and for peace. Anna, likewise, is looking to God on a daily basis. Anna had been married young and then widowed after seven years. So for over 50 years, she was a widow, 
and went daily to talk with God and depend on him. The only people I know who are so passionate daily and committed in their devotion to God are people who have suffered difficult, difficulty and pain in their lives. They are, and we are, people who, have, who are grieving, people who are in recovery from substance abuse, people who have encountered our limits, our failures, people who have experienced shame. Most of all, people who are daily devoted to God are people who have learned that we can depend only on God because others, and even ourselves, will always let us down. Simeon's peace and Anna's joy are not so different. They are both overcome by the realization of their hope. A few hundred years later, St. Augustine said of Jesus that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. Jesus was the entire fulfillment of their hopes. Jesus is the entire fulfillment of the hopes of all of humanity. He's the source, both direct and indirect, of all of our peace and all of our joy. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Lord, the Messiah. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace on those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. In these last two readings, we return, we backtrack for just a minute to what we celebrated last night, the birth of Jesus. Today, of course, is Christmas Day. We traditionally celebrate Jesus' birth, and yet at River Park Church, we've gotten into the tradition of having a big Christmas Eve service. And as I said at the beginning of the, the service, we only once every seven years have a service on Christmas Day. So we gather together in no small part because it's Sunday, the Lord's Day, a day for us to rest together, to consider Christmas and all we celebrated last night, and to join us in, or to join Mary in doing what Luke tells us, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Treasuring up the events of your lives, pondering them in your heart, takes time, takes days and weeks, it takes years. Mary might have said, every day is a gift, as she watched her children grow. Children are one among many gifts from God. 
But all of God's gifts get better over time. The more we treasure and ponder God's gifts to us, the more deeply we appreciate them, the more joy and peace they bring us, the more we have to share with others, the more thankfulness we have, not just for the gifts, but also for the giver. The shepherds have in our story a momentary experience with Jesus. They meet the baby for a few minutes, maybe even a few hours, one night. And then they go and they tell the good news to everybody that they see, at least for that day or maybe the next few. But Mary continues to ponder and to treasure God's gifts to her. She walks with Jesus and talks with him. She cares for him daily as he grows. During this next song, What Child Is This? I invite you to take a few minutes to reflect on the gifts that God has given you. There's one line in this song that sings, God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. What if that's true for you? What blessings, what gifts has God given you? Consider as we sing this next song, what or who you have been blessed with as a gift from heaven. And consider also how you will respond. We have one more reading and reflection before we sing a few closing songs. That's the story of Jesus' childhood. Luke tells us that when Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Luke tells us more than any other gospel writer about the childhood of Jesus. There's four stories of the gospel, and Luke gives us the most about Jesus' childhood. He tells us the story that goes after this one that we didn't read. The story where Jesus, at 12 years old, goes to the temple and amazes the teachers of the law with his wisdom and his knowledge. And Luke gives us these few words that I just read. That the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Maybe you wish you knew more about Jesus' childhood. I've wondered and even joked about it from time to time. Did Jesus' siblings get angry or frustrated with their perfect brother? Did Jesus ever do small miracles around the house just to help out? Did Jesus ever have to say, I'm sorry, even though it wasn't his fault? The gospel writers leave out all of these details, not to deprive us of anything, but to keep our hearts and our minds focused on the main point. John reminds us, the gospel writer John, that Jesus did many other things as well. And he says, I suppose if all of them were written down, I suppose even the whole world would not have enough books or enough room for the books that would be written. But we don't need to read all the books in the world to know about Jesus. We need only to read one. We don't need to believe that the Bible tells us everything about life or about the world or even about everything God did or Jesus did. The point is that the Bible tells us enough for us to begin a relationship with God ourselves. For us to know God and not just to know him in an informational sense, 
but to begin a relationship with him. That we might experience and know God today in our own lives. When I get to sit with new Christians, it's always a joy to see how they begin to experience God. They may have heard stories before or known information about God, but when they begin to experience God and know him personally, it's an entirely new thing. I wonder if we forget sometimes, especially at Christmas, that Jesus was human too. If anything, in the church in North America in the 21st century, we tend to overemphasize that Jesus is God, especially at Christmas. But when we do that, we forget or at least underemphasize that Jesus was human. Why do I say this? Well, because Jesus had to grow up too. Jesus had to endure the cruelty of bullies. He had to fight through the difficulties of puberty. Jesus had new experiences. Jesus had to learn new information, submit to teachers, and grow in wisdom. Jesus learned a trade from his father, his earthly father, and became physically stronger. Jesus was like us in every way, except for sin. Jesus was fully human. Another thing the Bible is quiet about is Jesus' stepfather, Joseph. We know that by the time Jesus was an adult, that Joseph was no longer around, that likely he had passed away. We don't know any of the details, like when or how that happened. Instead, the Bible reminds us time and time again of Jesus' relationship with his heavenly Father. Why? Because the Bible tells us enough for us to begin a relationship with God ourselves. The Bible tells us enough so that we might begin to know and experience our, our Heavenly Father, Jesus' Heavenly Father. Because God the Father still desires to have a relationship with us too, with you and with me. It's good for us to allow someone else input and direction in our lives. When we're children, as Jesus was, input and direction is forced on us. It's mandated for us. And if we have good and loving parents, then our lives are much easier than if we have difficult or cruel parents. But as adults, we have the choice. We have the freedom to try life without input, without direction from other people. Likewise, we have the freedom to choose to listen to and abide in the input and direction from anyone else, including to follow the direction of God. And so as we close out this service together and as we very much near the end of the year, I want to invite you to consider what's ahead for you. Consider what's to come. The world is a complicated and unpredictable place. We cannot know with certainty what the next year will bring. But I want to return to the themes of Advent as we light the Christ candle and sing joy to the world. And I want to leave you with these questions. In 2023, who will you put your hope in? Where will you find your peace? Who will you love? Who will you be loved by? What will bring you joy? 
It's my prayer today and in the year to come that the answer will be Jesus. So we're going to have a short prayer, and then I'm going to invite you to stand, and we'll sing about that joy that we, can, that we have that the angels sang about, joy to the world. Please pray with me. Father God, we celebrate this Christmas that we can call you Father because Jesus called you Father. And he was human, fully human, just like us, except for sin. And so we come to you this cool Sunday Christmas morning. And we ask that you would fill us with hope, bring us peace, give us love, and lead us on in joy. Not because we are worthy of it or deserve it or because we are so good, but because of Jesus, your son, and his perfect love for us. In his name we pray, amen. Come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. What a beautiful way to close our service. That's the promise for you as you go, that God will come to you, that he will stay with you. So receive his blessing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and presence of the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you always. And all God's people say, Amen.